episode of Let's Talk. Last week, I had my good friend Jesse on. We talked football. We talked sports. Uh, good stuff last week. And this week, I have a very, very special guest for you coming up soon. I can't wait. I'm excited for this one. Hope you all are doing good. Um, yeah, so like I said, this week, uh, we have Josh Lewin on, who's former longtime radio voice of the San Diego Chargers, also Longtime MLB broadcaster, worked for the several teams, the Orioles, Cubs, Tigers, Mets, Rangers, and right also as well, UCLA Bruins and the Boston Red Sox radio voice. So that's huge. So again, I'm excited to have Josh on. It's going to be a fun show. I hope you enjoy. We're going to talk a lot of football, Chargers, also how we got into broadcasting. So it's going to be exciting one. I'm really thankful and excited for this one. So he's always been one of my favorites. Pleasure to have him on. So yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode. formation behind Rivers. He will hand it off. Tomlinson plows his way towards the goal line. Ladanian Tomlinson one step closer to football immortality. Tomlinson has tied the single season record. And the handoff to Tomlinson. Left side and he will gallop into the end zone. Charger fans are witnesses to history. And that was the voice of radio man Josh Lewin of the Chargers for many years. And that was the day that LaDamian Tomlinson broke the single-season touchdown record at home in San Diego. I was at that game. Josh was announcing that game. One of the many big moments in his broadcasting career. We're a pleasure to have him on. And let's get this started. Hey, Josh. Welcome on. So um, I just want to say thanks again for coming on. Uh, I appreciate it. And I'll just get right into it, the questions. So I know – uh, you did the Chargers for a while from 2005 to 2016, and I also know you did uh, baseball for a while, and you still do baseball, and correct me if I'm wrong, you actually got your broadcasting career started in baseball, if I'm not correct. Yeah, for sure. I mean, baseball has always been my my number one bread and butter and, and my first love, and thanks for having me, by the way. I didn't get a chance to say that, but yeah, the uh, the baseball thing hit me when I was still a, a teenager. So when I got going with that back in my hometown of Rochester, New York, and that definitely got me going career-wise. There's been a lot of twists and turns since then, but I, I always seem to come back to baseball. Yeah, I mean, I did a little little homework, background research. I know, well, personally, from experience, you've done a lot of work with the Rangers and Mets as well. I also didn't know you got started back in the 90s with the Orioles and Tigers. We also worked with the Cubs. And is it true you're working with the Red Sox now, am I correct? Well, it was. I mean, before the pandemic, it, yeah. it made sense to go back and forth to the East Coast to still do – I was only doing a partial package of games for them. So 2020 was the first year, you know, since I've been 16 years old that I uh, have had a summer off. And, and I'm in my 50s now. So, I mean, that was uh, quite a, a change in culture with with no baseball it was the first time in a very long time for me but um yeah the uh the orioles uh doing their pre and post was pretty much how i got my my first major league opportunity i've been in uh in the minor leagues in my hometown of rochester for my early 20s and got the break to go to to baltimore in my mid-20s and that led to 
the national uh, game of the week stuff on Fox, which is really what kicked open all the, the doors from there. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I didn't know you were so involved with, obviously I knew football and a couple of the teams, but baseball was really big. Sounds like early in your career. And also to so segue from that to, I guess, quick question, how did your early jobs then kind of end up, how'd you land the position with the chargers? Well, it's all about who, you know, right. I mean, and, and that's definitely the case. I think with the chargers, you know, I've been doing Fox uh, network baseball for a while. And a guy by the name of Ed Gorin was in charge of it back then. Uh, David Hill was like the big boss, but Ed Gorin had the, uh, the job of kind of doing the assignments and putting people where they were supposed to be on a given weekend for those Saturday baseball games. And uh, he was friendly with a guy named Jim Steig, who you might remember was brought in to kind of be chief of staff for the Chargers in 04, 05, something like that. So just so happened the Chargers were redoing their radio deal. Uh, you know, they, they needed somebody. They wanted it to be kind of concurrent with, you know, it was a five-year deal that they had with, um, with Clear Channel, which became iHeart. And they wanted somebody who they knew would be there for the whole run of show for that. So Jim reached out to Ed Gore and said, do you know anybody? And Ed knew, uh, you know, I certainly had a, a Jones to be doing football, not just baseball. I was doing some stuff for Fox. I was doing like, you know, maybe two or three games a year tops on the Fox Sunday coverage and usually getting a really bad game, be like, you know, Carolina versus Jacksonville or something yeah. like that. And uh, so Ed said, um, you know, Josh Lewin lives in Dallas, but if you're willing to consider a guy who we kind of commuted in, I think you should give him a call. So I got this call blindly from Jim asking me to throw my hat in the ring. And I love the idea of having NFL to do every weekend and not just, you know, maybe two or three weeks out of the year and didn't really know much about San Diego. I'd come close actually years before that to being the uh, the first ever um, Padres voice on Channel 4 Padres, if you remember when that was a thing. Yeah, I remember Padres had their own network back then on 4 yeah, San Diego. Right, that job actually ended up going to Mel Proctor, who had it for a while, but they, they offered it to me at the same time as I was being offered a job with the Cubs. I ended up taking the Cubs job instead. So I come to San Diego for that Padres possibility back in, shoot, 90. Seven, I guess that was 96, 97, and spent a week out here and interviewed and, you know, knew enough that I loved San Diego. I could totally see myself at home here, but, um, you know, the, the Cubs job on WGN at the time just seemed like a, a bigger job. And I took that one. So anyway, um, you know, that was really my only exposure to San Diego was that I remembered being out here for that week to do kind of a look around and interviews and all of that remembered that I loved the city, but didn't honestly didn't know that much about the Chargers. So um, ended up doing an interview in an audition on April 2nd or April 3rd of, I guess that would have been 05. The, the Texas Rangers just happened to be opening up the season in Anaheim. So I drove in the morning of opening night for Rangers Angels and did a, a like a 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. interview with all the radio station people and with, you know, met with Dean Spanos and, and all those guys and got in the rental car and drove to Anaheim and did the Rangers Angels game and didn't really think that much of it and just figured they'd call me if they were interested. And about a month or two went by 
and they reached back out and said, we'd love to have you come do this. So that's how I became a charter. And I think 100%, I mean, both parties that ended up for the best for both these guys, because it's funny, even nowadays when I, so I'll hear you doing like uh, last couple of years, baseball games or in UCLA, it's automatically connect your voice to the Chargers, which is funny at the time you were saying uh, you didn't really know much, kind of got to get used to the team and used to the city. So I thought that was pretty cool how you've um, kind of been the voice of the Chargers on the radio for a long time. It, and, and it's funny too. Yeah. You know, what, what's weird, Brody, is that during the courtship with the Padres, that was the old Larry Lucchino ownership. I mean, that, yeah. that was a long, long time ago, but I was out, uh, it was in December, uh, whatever that would have been, 96 turning into 97, I guess. And one of the things they did as part of like the Schmooze Fest was they did, the Chargers had, of all things, a Monday night game against the Lions. So uh, I was in a suite actually, you know, kind of watching that Chargers-Lions game, but I, I knew I was there to kind of meet people and schmooze for the Padres job. So I really wasn't paying any attention. I couldn't even tell you who won that game between the Chargers and Lions. The only thing I do remember is I had no idea about the Murph and how to park. So I ended up like way up um, kind of by that 7-Eleven up the hill, just kind of, you know, side street parking and, and yeah. hoping to God that the, that the rental car was still there when I was done. I, you know, I remember hoofing it down the hill thinking, all right, well, you know, this is no big deal going down, but shit this is going to be torture coming back up and so that, that's like literally the only chargers experience i had had was was that and uh yeah it, it was kind of a a real quick get to know you i mean hank bauer was a great partner very welcoming and all the people at the radio station were terrific but i was right in the middle of baseball season when that season of chargers football began i think i was at at Yankee Stadium, if I remember right, on the night before the first preseason game, which was in Green Bay, and trying to get from New York to Green Bay and then back to at that point it was Fenway because you know the Rangers had moved on to play Boston instead of New York by the weekend. Um, but the thing I'll always remember about that, which was so cool, was it was Yankee Stadium. I guess I would have been on a Wednesday night, totally iconic place, old Yankee Stadium. Then you got Lambeau on the Thursday, that was my Chargers debut, which was a 9-7, just a horrible game. <laughs> then, I, then I had Fenway on Friday, and then the Fox game of the week I was doing on the Saturday was at Wrigley. So I did, you know, I mean, to have those four stadia laid out all in a row, I mean, other than the Rose Bowl, right? I, I don't think you could get four more iconic places than that. And I had them four nights or days in a row. I'll never forget that. I was just going to say, it probably doesn't get much better than that in the world of sports. I mean, that's big. I remember it's funny because I've obviously been Charger fan for a long time. My dad's had – he's been going to games since the 70s with Fouts and that whole Coriel era. He's had season tickets since 85, and I've been going to games for a while. And I was actually at – brings me to my next topic. I was at the game in 06 when LT broke the single-season touchdown record, and I was probably just six or seven years old at the time. But do you, you probably get asked this 100 times. Do you remember – that game clearly in that, that big announcing announcement you had coming up? I, I, I do, but, you know, what's so funny about it, because, and, and you're right, I mean, and I love talking any memory lane stuff with Charger fans, and that one always does seem to come up. You, you probably won't remember it from being six or seven, but I'm sure you've gone back and researched and looked at it. LT was having a, a terrific game, but it wasn't like we expected him to actually break the record in that game because the Chargers were, were up big. 
they, uh, you know, they had just scored. He had tied the record, but, uh, you know, time was running out and they were going to give the ball back to Denver. So Denver fumbles at like the seventh. Yeah, didn't John Merriman have a sack fumble at like – Yeah, minutes so – right. So all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit. Like, I mean, they're already goal to goal. Like, I mean, this could be the chance. And I, I can't remember off the top of my head where the, the game was next week, but it wasn't in San Diego. I mean, he was going to have one more chance at the record, but it would be on the road. So to do it in San Diego, this was it. And, um, yeah, so it's not like I had a lot of time to kind of – get ready or gird my loins for what I wanted to say. I, I just, you know, it was such a blur that, um, you know, I just, just kind of spat something out when he, I mean, I think it was on second down. It was only like one play that had been run before they gave it to him, if I'm remembering that right. And all of a sudden the dude's in the end zone again. So, um, yeah, I totally remember that. that that's a great memory. Um, you know, all the playoff stuff comes running back to me immediately. Those are always great memories. There was the, the Monday night game against Indianapolis where Cromartie yeah. had the three picks in the first half and Peyton got picked off six times in the game, which is just insane. Uh, you know, so there's, there's always fun memories like that that come pretty quickly back in. Yeah. I was going to, it's probably hard to narrow down all these memories, but I was, yeah, those big moments, obviously the playoff game and the, the one at home against Indianapolis, I was at that game too. I remember Cromartie had just one hell of a game and um, that was a big one. And obviously we've had our <laughs> Chargers fans have share of, Honestly, not too great moments and great games, but we try to remember the good games and the good stuff. So, yeah, I guess um, I don't know if the LT moment's probably the big standout to you. Was that like the big standout Charger memory you still have? Yeah, you know, it, it was one of them. I, I think I really remember more um, Billy Bullock, at, you know, coming on and, and that plunge into the end zone to get him the lead in Indy to, to go to the AFC title game as it turned out. And, there were still four and a half or five minutes left when he did that, by the way. The Colts got the ball back not once but twice, and the Chargers had to stop him, and they did. Um, you know, I, I was fearful that they, you know, Peyton would work his magic at the end of that game, and um, somehow it just it just didn't work out. They couldn't even get the ball past midfield either times. Yeah, I think that was the game, too. That trip back to San Diego. That was the game where also we're yeah, with Rincor's ACL. Yeah, exactly, which we had no idea of at the time. I mean, because it happened during a, an 85-yard touchdown play or something like that, which you know, had us all going crazy. So, uh, you know, nobody even noticed that he was, was hurt. Or I guess about a, more like a 60-yard touchdown play because it's closer to midfield now that I have it in my mind's eye. But, um, yeah, you know, that, that was just such an exciting time. We didn't know that LT was that hurt and the Rivers was that hurt and the Gates was compromised. And that was such a, a tough assignment to go to undefeated New England and, and try to pull that off, which they almost did anyway, which was remarkable. But yeah, I think all the, all the playoff stuff, you mentioned the Indianapolis game, um, you know, where, where Sproles got it done and uh, you know, there were some other playoff moments that didn't go as well, obviously, but I think those are the ones, the games that meant the most as opposed to just individual moments like that. Yeah. And as a fan, I also, I, I don't just, I, I obviously think of the big moments and big games, but also I, I tie myself to players. They used to love and watch. Obviously I was fortunate enough to watch all of Philip Rivers career because uh, we went from Breeze to Rivers, which never happens. And then uh, now we're luckily as fans to go from Rivers to Justin Herbert. And he had, we know the phenomenal season he did. And I think, um, I think it's just crazy now that we go from such one 
potential Hall of Fame quarterback to another, which brings me to my next question. I just want to ask, for some people, this might be a no-brainer, but in your eyes, uh, just as a general sports fan, do you see Rivers as a Hall of Famer? Yeah, I totally do. I mean, it's not his fault that they they couldn't get it done uh, on his behalf. I mean, he, he was heroic, and the numbers, I think, speak for themselves, and model teammate, model citizen, all that stuff. Yes, I, I think he's a Hall of Famer, absolutely, and um, it kind of bugs me that, you know, there are some in the NFL circles that hang their hat on the whole, well, he never, never won a Super Bowl thing, and, you know, you quickly try and debunk that with the whole, you know, well, neither did Dan Marino, and because I'm a baseball guy, I always think about, uh, you know, a, a guy like Luis Soho, who's got four World Series rings and something like, you know, 500 career at bats. So, you know, you're going to tell me Luis Soho's a Hall of Famer? Yep. Yeah, exactly. it, just, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's just no, no logic there. But, yeah, short answer, he's absolutely a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I've heard a lot of the sports talking heads lately since Rivers' retirement. It's kind of good, though. It's been good to see them kind of get the praise he deserves because I feel like like I was just saying that um, a lot of people were saying, oh, he doesn't have the ring, he's not worth the haul. But if you've been watching his whole career, which I know both of us have, it's not just about the the rings and playoff wins and appearances and stuff like that. It's if you look at statistically, he's one of the best, not just Chargers QBs of all time, but best top five quarterbacks to ever play the game. So I think um, whenever he's eligible, he deserves to be in there 100%. And so, yeah, just uh, – Go from Rivers to my next segue is Justin Herbert. I don't know if you watch much of the Chargers past season, but, man, did Herbert light up the field. I mean, this dude, well-deserved rookie of the year, had over 4,000 yards, 31 TDs. I just think as football fans and Charger fans, we're so lucky to go. Because, honestly, you know, with the whole Tyrod Taylor, the freak injury before the Chiefs game, he gets thrown into the mix. And we were just all kind of shocked, kind of waiting for something to go wrong. Or, like, is this kid really legit? And he proved us – wrong whole season and had one of the best uh, rookie seasons we've ever seen. Yeah. And, you know, I'll be honest, I don't keep up with the chargers obviously as much now as I did when I had a lightning bolt on my paycheck, you know, I mean, I'm not anti at all, but you know, to me, I, I love that, you know, my quarterback was rivers and my running back was LT and my tight end was Gates and um, you know, didn't really have a defense guy that whole time uh, thought thought it would be Merriman, but, you know, obviously that they yeah, absolutely appreciate Justin. I appreciate Tom Telesco drafting him. I appreciate the, the great wide receiver talent that they put around Justin Herbert. I mean, I, I do appreciate all of it. Um, it's just not quite as much of an imprint on my brain, I guess, since I'm not there at every game anymore. Yeah, no, understandably, 100%. I mean, I feel like it's only even the big football fans, unless you're like a, a diehard Charger fan and you watched every single game, um, you weren't able to catch every single Herbert moment. But, I mean, uh, looking back, we didn't really know what to expect coming in, him coming in the draft and what we were going to get as quarterback. Because when all those guys left, Gates, Rivers, and LT, specifically those three, and I feel like it kind of – they came and went so fast, especially – it's crazy to think that LT is already in the Hall of Fame, which is crazy to me. I felt like I was just watching him last week at Qualcomm right. playing those games. So um, just for those, because it's hard to think, you know, when those guys leave, you're like, is this the end of an era for the Chargers? And who knows, it might be a start for a new era for them with Herbert and also the new coach, Brandon Staley. So, yeah, uh, Chargers got a lot to look forward to these next couple seasons. And 
this might be a silly question, but do you per, when you're announcing, do you prefer doing baseball over football or that they're completely different animals, I assume, yeah? Yeah, it, it is. I mean, it's like choosing which is your favorite child. You know, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I love them equally. I really do. They're, they're very different. Um, but, you know, there, there's, I will say this, there's nothing like what, what we used to call Big Sunday. It just, you know, it crescendos to that one three-hour block of your time and energy and effort. And, uh, you know, those three hours on a Sunday, because there's only 16 football games, right? There's 162 baseball games. So it just, it, you know, even if it's some random game at the Browns or whatever. Uh, Every yeah, game means so much. It's like it means. Yeah, I was just going to say with football, every single game means so much compared to MLB because you got the, all the – It, it really does. And I think football more than baseball is just I think I really – Yeah. Yeah, once again, like I was saying, it's almost impossible to compare those two. But I, I give you major props to that because I've been listening to you both football and baseball. I know it's not easy to do both, and they're both completely different, and it's kind of a whole change of mindset. So uh, before I let you go, I just had a quick uh, kind of last – segments to tie it up. Do you have any advice to people trying to get into maybe um, broadcasting or announcing or anything like that? Because I know, I think this year specifically in sports, it showed us how much we really need, you know, sports with this whole pandemic and no fans. It just kind of both radio and watching them on TV, whether it's football or Padres really brought all the sports fans together. So do you have any advice to how you kind of got your foot in the door with broadcasting and any, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think every, everybody's got a, a slightly different path. I mean, I think I, I knew this is what I really, I never fired, and I was always wanted to chin for it. If you like to inform people, and you like to educate people, and you like to entertain people, and you know a little something about the, the sport that, that you're into, uh, I, I think you got a shot, you know, and, and I would say that at that point, it's kind of on you to sculpted to, to be the very best it can be in all of those ways. You know, how can I get more entertaining? How can I, uh, you know, use my voice as, as an instrument? And how can I expand my vocabulary and say things in interesting ways? And if part of it's to educate and inform, well, you know, you, you better make sure you know all the rules and you better looked up all the history you're going to need about the players and about the teams. And, uh, you know, all that is within your scope to do. And after that, I think it really is just kind of putting yourself in a position to, uh, to, to climb the ladder and be as patient as you can. It's probably not going to happen overnight. You're going to have to pay your dues and, and uh, you know, meet a lot of people and just kind of wait, wait, wait for that opportunity to pop. And in the interim, it's just all about getting yourself better and staying sharp and staying And I will say, I mean, it, it, to me, it's like the, the Paul Revere and tell everybody what's happening. And it's an important job. You're, you're not actually fighting the battle. You're not actually picking the British. 
that's arguably way more important. Of course, with a big voice, it tells people what, what they need to know. So uh, if that's something in your wheelhouse, I say go for it. And, and these days, especially, there is no shortage of ways to get heard and to get better. You know, I mean, you just make yourself a YouTube channel and, uh, you know, practice on on Madden 21 or, or whatever, or, you know, for baseball, MLB, the show. And all of a sudden you're out there and people are listening to you and getting to know you. So uh, when I was coming, not to sound like I'm a hundred years old, but you know, I used to have like a little cassette tape recorder that I have to take around with me. And there are no games to just show up and do. There were no video football. I mean, no video games or esports or anything like that. So you really had to get out there and, and hustle it. And these days, I think it's kind of sitting right there for you if you want to pursue it. So anybody that's interested in it, it's a, it, it's a great job. It really is. But there, there's a real competition to it. So you got to be ready for battle and be ready to expand your horizons and, and uh, do what you need to do to get in front of people. Absolutely. I mean, those are great words of advice. I agree 100%. I mean, I think it's, yeah, it's a combination of you got to have the um, – it helps to have the voice, you know, a good radio voice, and also, you know, knowing the history and the stats of whatever team you're covering, stuff like that. But I feel like even today, it's it's kind of a leg up now because we got all this stuff to get our voices heard and stuff known, like YouTube and podcasts and stuff like that. So it's kind of really the balls in our court to people that want to get into broadcasting. So I know it's with any big position, it's not easy to get into. Hard work is definitely going to have to come into play. Yeah, and I yeah, and, and that patience angle, I can't underscore that enough. I, I was lousy at that. You know, I mean, I got big breaks when I was in my 20s, and I look back and I'm like, you know, why was I so angsty? You know, I, mean, I was in the major leagues and in my mid-20s, and that's fine. That's pretty good. But I was 22, 23, thinking, man, when is, when is my big break going to come? And I would just so guard against that and enjoy your early 20s and enjoy your 30s, enjoy your 40s. And, if it hasn't happened yet, there's still plenty of life to enjoy and, and things that aren't your vocation that you can really be happy about. And, and kind of making your own way with that, making your own happiness, I think is a really important thing to be able to do. And I, I was really bad at it early in my professional career. You know, I kept thinking that, well, if I ever get to be a full-time NFL guy or get to the, the network, you know, then I'll be happy. But it, it really turns out that you can be happy exactly where you are already you, know, you don't have to be the voice of the chargers to to have a fulfilling life and uh, it's kind of weird in a way because I, I haven't been the voice of the chargers now for three or four years and while i miss it uh, I, i'm happy that i can say that that doesn't define who i am but just because that's not what i do anymore it's not like my life is over so uh, you know i pursue it and go get it, but make sure you've got other things in your life so you don't get squashed if, if it's not happening exactly what you want it to. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't want to put all your cards on the table, you know, and there's, it's good to have definitely uh, opportunities constantly, you know, at your door and stuff to do if something does fall back or, you know, a team moves, for instance, the Chargers, but that's stuff that's definitely out of your control. But anyway, I want to, I know you got to go and I know you're, you're driving right now, but I want to say thank you again, Josh, so much as a, sports fan and a Chargers fan and a fan of broadcasting. This is really big. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, it's my, my pleasure. I'm sorry. I got it. In fact, I'm hopping off to go do another game of all things. UCLA has a game. So I appreciate you finding me Brody and it's, it's a great podcast. I appreciate what you're doing and wish you all the success in the world. I appreciate you.
Thank you so much. Hopefully we'll connect soon, but thanks again for coming on. Good luck today. You got it, buddy. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone, that was Josh Lewin once again, and just so great to talk to him, have him on the show, talk about how he got into broadcasting and how that kind of influenced his career and his work with the Chargers and baseball. So once again, it was a big episode, big special guest, and we hope to have some other big, important special guests on soon on the podcast. So again, thanks for listening. This has been another episode of Let's Talk with Brody. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Have a good one.